Corinthians chapter 3. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I really want to take my time today and build a case that I believe is going to be a tremendous blessing uh, to everyone in the room if you will hear it and heed it along with me. Uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, <clears throat> verse number 5 through 8, and it says it this way. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? Paul is writing his letter and he says like Gabe Rogers, who, who's Gabe? You know, who are we? Amen. But ministers through whom you believe. I mean, that's all we are. That's who we are as the Lord gave to each one. He asked that question to really put it out there that in and of ourselves, in so many words, we, we, we don't do or can't do anything. And then he begins to talk about what we are assigned to do and what every believer is assigned to do in verse number six. He says it so well. He said, I planted Apollos, another minister of the gospel, came and watered, but God gave the increase. Somebody say God gives the increase. No, I planted, amen, somebody else watered, but it is God who gives the increase. Now, this is a powerful process, if you will, by which to come into in God. Amen. Depending on where you are in your Christian walk, I'm going to use, for example, if you came to Kingdom Christian Church from another really good non-denominational spirit-filled or faith church, amen, you might be coming in in your watering season, amen, where somebody else already planted, somebody else already taught you that faith works, somebody else already taught you that you can be healed, amen. Is that not good? Somebody else already taught you uh, that uh, you should defend the cause of the unborn. I, I know for a fact, some of my members, uh, for example, who are from Raleigh, I think about my sweet mother-in-law who was a founding member of, of, uh, of that great church in Raleigh, the, the upper room church where uh, the pastor and the ministry is always standing on the front line, amen, for marriage and, and for the unborn. Well, when she transitioned to KCC uh, a few months ago, uh, she was not being taught the first time that we should fight for the gospel. No, she came in her watering season. Are you getting the revelation? Now, there will be other things that I will be able to expand her in as in my area's expertise, one being faith. Amen. I will be able to bring planting and watering to another dimension in that because that's kind of what I do. But if you go to another pastor that is tremendous, uh, who knows, in, the, in another dimension, amen, uh, he, he'll probably plant or water in another way. Are you catching this, church? So planting and water is a progression that happens in the Christian faith, but planting and watering also looks at man's efforts, man's efforts, i.e., I want to be blessed. I want to live in abundance. I want to have favor. Listen to me, young people. How about I go ahead and plant myself at a college? That's right. That's right. I thought I'd get more than four amens. No, how about I listen and at the age of 18, go on to college, graduate school, go on to medical school if that's my purpose and destiny, or go on to be a world-class professor or an awesome owner, watch this, of a janitorial service company, all right? Well, I'm going to put the effort in. Everybody say effort. Yeah. So I'm going to plant, amen, and I'm going to water via my 
efforts. That's why you're going to Wake Forest. Good for you. Then she's planning to go to law school. I'm so proud of her. Will you catch up with her in six years? Amen. She would have planted and watered. Planted and watered. Studied and worked and done her part. Amen. To get to where God wants her. But now then God's going to have to give the increase and open up the door. I put the effort in. I did my part. But then God came and blessed what I was doing. Somebody shout, God gives the increase. Today, we're going to talk from the thought, God gives the increase. Amen. That's what we're going to talk about. Who does the increasing? God. Now, you are listening to, and I don't say it arrogantly, but I do say it confidently. You are listening to the right preacher today when it comes to increase. And I'm going to tell you this. I want to give you my resume real fast. What you are seeing today is a direct product of the past eight years of us being predetermined that we will work diligently on what God put in our hands. We won't get weary and well-doing no matter who comes and goes. Amen. We won't change our mind about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we will move from a few sweet members in a living room, hallelujah, to a 12-acre campus and beyond. Because God is going to increase our efforts. Somebody shout hallelujah. And this is why you can't get weary in well-doing. I wish I had a witness in here. How many are glad that in due season you will reap if you faint not? Well, on yesterday when I saw some 600 people, hallelujah, glory to God, eating pizza, crab cakes, and hamburgers, I'm telling you, it may have meant something for you, but for me, I heard it's reaping time. Glory to God, because God gives the increase. You put in the effort, you do your part, but God adds to what you're doing, because unless the Lord build a house, they that labor do what? They labor in vain. God gives the increase. And verse number nine says, for we are all God's fellow workers. You and I are God's fields, or rather you, church, are God's fields. You are God's building. What he's saying is me and Apollos and the other apostles, we are God's workers. And we're here to build people. How many remember that theme, building by building? Well, yeah, you are God's people. We're here to build God's people up. You're God's field. We're supposed to be planting in God's field. We're supposed to be helping people's lives to get better, helping people's lives to increase. How it breaks my heart when I hear the stories of folk uh, who, no fault of their own, amen, went to a church unassuming, looking on the outside, expecting to get good results, expecting that the church would make their life better, amen. But after a year or two being at the church, my God, all kinds of hurts and pains and hits and foolish things that shouldn't be named among us. Are you catching this? So God holds pastors accountable for how he handles his field, how he handles his buildings. If you ever want to see it, I'm telling you, that's one of the chief reasons for me to cut somebody off. And you can read between the lines. But when it comes down to morality 101, if I find out, and I used to preach at your church, but find out that you change your mind about morality, you won't change certain. I'm not talking about whether or not the praise team, you know, wears black or blue. That's not a moral decision. 
But I'm talking about just immoral things going on in the camp. And like Eli, you won't do anything about it. Are you getting this, church? That's the stuff that skews Christians. Messes them up. Jeremiah 23 said it this way. Woe be unto them that scatter the sheep. So you can't pastor and have a wife and a girlfriend. Are you getting this? Oh, praise the Lord. We're going to raise big money today to the glory of God. But you better make sure when you raise that money, you put that money in the kingdom. Are you getting this? The kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, a whole lot of people don't preach this because a whole lot of people can't preach it. Stuff would surface. But God says his people are his field. You better be mindful how you manage this field. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I know we got a great crowd streaming in. We got great visitors here today. But you better be mindful how you manage his field and manage his buildings. These are God's buildings. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I'm telling you, I take that very seriously. So that's just as an aside. It wasn't in my notes, but those were anointed comments, and it's for somebody. Watch how you shepherd and manage God's people. God, though, gives the increase. Now, you heard me say last week, put this in your notes. We're not going all these scriptures because we don't have time. But uh, as we close the message off, I told you that I'm going to have winners around me. I'm going to have people that work hard as unto the Lord, bar none. And then I gave you Ecclesiastes, I think, 9 and 10, where we said, whatsoever your hand find to do, that we ought to do it with what? All our might. That we ought to work hard. That we ought to put ourselves into it. You know, this afternoon, I'm going to take my kids to get some frozen yogurt and, and things of that nature. And, and I'm going I'm to get a little bit myself. And I'm going to sit back. And while I'm eating it, I'm going to reflect back on this weekend. And as awesome as things have gone, I'm going to say to myself, Gabe, did you do your best? Did you put your total self into it? I've made up my mind that all my business skills, amen, all my counseling background, all my research background, everything I've learned down through the years, that as I'm building this thing, and you're helping me do it by the grace of God, that as I do it, musicianship, whatever it is, I'm going to pour my total self into it. Everything I have, we used to sing an old song, all I have, it belongs to the Lord. So whatever my hands find to do, I'm doing it, but I'm doing it hard. I believe Elder Reese says it this way, go hard or go home. Amen. How many of y'all know it's better to play the game with four guys on the court than to play with one guy that's running halfway? Are you getting this? Because his man going to blow past him anyway. You may as well move him out the way. Just know that you got to play two guys because he's not helping. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. So what we do, we do it strong. We do it hard. Before we get to God mastering or, or, or God adding the increase, how many of you know we got to master the practical? Right. We, we master expanding ourselves, putting in great effort. In today's message, God giving the increase, obviously we'll have a focus on financial increase. Amen. Well, if God's going to give increase to our money, how about I got to be faithful in the money I have? I got to know where my current money is going. Amen. If God is a God of decency and order and he blesses order, then I need to put my finances in order. Come on, somebody. 
and watch this and stop paying $400 for a Wi-Fi network. Come on, somebody. When I already got it on my phone. Now, even if I got 400 extra dollars, if I'm expecting God to give increase, why would he pour increase into a system that is allowing it to go out by the cracks? No, it's not just $400. Somebody say, that's $400. It's not just, oh, it's just $50. No, that's $50. Amen. No, 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 we're not wasting. Amen. It's $25. Amen. Now, you can't be a tightwad. See, I'm not praying. I want some of y'all to say amen too loud. Amen. Because you got to be a liberal giver. Amen. So it can't be $400 when it comes down to give. But when it comes down to budgeting and knowing what we have, hallelujah, knowing what's coming in and what's going out, our approach to the practical must be masterful. I'm going to get here later on, but uh, Proverbs 10 and 22 says, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. Well, y'all, how about if you get the blessing on your life, you don't got to work six jobs. Now, you can have six businesses just because you're skilled in, in, in owning what we call passive income. Amen. Stuff that's making money when you're doing nothing. Amen. That's passive income. That's wise. You can have six businesses, praise the Lord. But God does not want you to go third shift, get off, go to your first shift gig. Come on, somebody. Only to get off at two, have about an hour and a half to get a burger and a nap. And go in four hours at the burger joint just to do it all over again. Your body can't even take that. Amen. So we can take practical too far. And don't hear that the wrong way. If you're working practically for a season to pay some debts off, nothing wrong with that. The diligent hand shall bear rule. He's given our hands power to get well. Praise the Lord. But at the end of the day, practical, before we get to increase, practical has its place. Got to do practical. We talk about increasing and, 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 and people coming, church, KCC. Well, practically speaking, put resources in place that disciple people, that make people better. Well, that's practical. That's taking care of what you have. How many you know before I drive the Mercedes, come on, somebody, I got to treat the Pinto right? That's practical. I got, I, got, I got to treat the car right that the air conditioner works one out of four days. Come on, somebody. That's doing the practical. So we're going to get the increase, but somebody say, I got to do my part. And if I'm doing my part, and we're talking about finances today, and for the record, before we dig into it, because we're going to dig in today, money is not evil. No, I don't feel bad about preaching about money. I don't struggle. There's nothing in me that's saying, oh, well, you better not go that far. No, we're going that far today. Money's not evil. Money doesn't make people evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money, when you start loving it, will make you kill your own brother. Come here, Cain. It'll make you kill your own brother. You better read Hebrews 11 again, the Hall of Fame of Faith, and understand that the first person that God mentioned in Hebrews 11 was Abel. He mentioned offerings first. How I many you know God cares about the type of offerings I bring? Sure 
you better read Malachi 1 and Malachi 3 and see how them folk put blind sacrifices on that altar. Amen. Somebody say, my best. My but the love of money will make you ruin your own family. People have loved money and left their wives who've been with them for, for 20 years, helped them develop the company, helped them become a multimillionaire, and, and then all of a sudden, fame and fortune. Come on, lust, lust, and pride. Lust, lust, and pride. Come on, lust of the flesh. Come on, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All of those things ultimately ended up robbing them of something that was more valuable than money. So when you are a believer, you put everything in the right bucket. Money can't do anything from you, for you beyond that what it's used for. But it can do a lot for people who use it in the kingdom of God. Somebody say money's not evil. I'm going to say something real controversial. You ready? Guns aren't evil. No, they're not. I've had family members lose their lives to bullet wounds, so I'm qualified to say it. But guns are not evil. No, they're not. Mm -mm. A wrench ain't evil. If you ask, I won't say no names. Some of y'all old enough to remember. But if you ask certain famous singers, grits aren't evil. But if you don't treat your wife right, she can pour it on you. Grits aren't evil. But they are real hot, and they will stick and pull your skin off. You start to beating your wife up. She might take a notion one day, but grits ain't evil. Woo, that's good preaching. I say grits ain't evil. No. Money ain't evil. Guns aren't evil. No, they're not. No, truth is, if somebody had a gun... Amen. In some of those places, unfortunately, churches where nine and 10 and 20 people got shot up. Well, you, you had a few brothers with some some guns. He may have gotten one. Yeah, thank you, Shavar. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. There's some brothers standing up right now. And some sitting down. Oh, and when we raise that offering, it's going to be something around. Woo, Jesus. Don't even go to the bathroom now. Sit down. Sit down and wait. Amen. All of a sudden, you got a notion. Now, you better sit down now because it looks kind of Yeah. Monies aren't evil. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 that it's a time to kill. Not murder, there's a difference. Murder's evil. But my God, all these guys overseas with nuclear missiles thinking about taking us out, you better show them something. You better have a, a left eyebrow that'll go up. Y'all think about doing what? You do know what we have, right? Come on, somebody. Because money ain't evil, guns ain't evil, wrenches aren't evil. You can bust somebody over the head with a wrench, or you can use it to screw in a, a nice new chair. It's a tool. They are what we call amoral objects. They have no morals. Amoral. They don't hurt people unless people use them the wrong way. And for all the folk who want police officers to go away, the devil is a liar. I want my cops 
to stay armed and dangerous for all the fools out there that think they can do whatever they want to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I hope I didn't lose your visitors. Keep coming back. Amen. So I got to master the practical. We're going to have some fun now, and we're going to get back in this thing. We're still in the spirit. But everybody say, if I don't have it, don't spend it. Encourage your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, if you don't have it, don't spend it. I borrowed this clip from a wonderful faith church, and I thought you guys would enjoy it. Uh, can you guys play a little bit of that clip for my family today? We're just going to enjoy ourselves and let the Spirit of God flow. Come on, say it again while they're setting it up. Somebody say, if you don't have it, don't spend it. Amen. got rejected again today. I just don't know where all our money goes. You know, I don't know either. When the man came to repossess our dog this morning, he brought this book with him to help us get out of debt. I've been looking through it all morning. What is that? Let me see. If you don't have the money, don't buy it? I don't know. That sounds complicated. I know. I'm still trying to figure this thing out. It says here you shouldn't buy something if you don't have the money. Wait, you shouldn't buy it? That's got to be a typo. Let me see that. You shouldn't buy something if you don't have the money. But what if I really, really want something? Can I buy it then? Good question. Let me find out. Okay, here we go. It says here, it doesn't matter how much you want something, if you don't have the money, don't buy it. Hmm. Well, that just seems unreasonable. Okay, what if I buy it same as cash? Do I have the money then? Okay, here we go. Same as cash. It's really the same as not having cash. Don't buy it. Oh. Okay, well, what about YOLA? You only live once, so spend it like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. <laughs> YOLA, you only live once, but you will pay for it the rest of your life. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Well, okay, well, then when can I buy something? Okay, when to buy something? When to buy something? You should do it with sa. Savid. Savid money. Oh, that sounds foreign. I'm not sure what that means. Wait, let me see that. Oh, saved. Saved money. That's the money my meemaw used. Oh. But where do we get this saved money? I know. We could switch our credit cards to cash back. Great idea. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? If it does, don't worry, you are like many other Americans today. Call now for your free copy of If You Don't Have the Money, Don't Buy It. It's a simple one-step guide to help you get out of debt and stay that way. If you call now, we will also include this DVD. I'm not joking. Stop buying stuff you can't afford. Operators are standing by. Amen, amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen, amen. So if I don't have the money, and that's a revelation, y'all, and I wanted to show you this clip because it, it was worth it. it. First of all, it made you laugh, which is great. 
But it's, it's really worth mauling over. Because that's the thing that has just depressed people in general. Not one race of people. It's not just black people. It's not just white people. It's not Latino brothers and sisters. It's, 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 it's a condition that I believe has gotten its nasty grip on everybody, and it's because that's what Satan had strategized, to have God's people in so much debt, to have God's people so far being the tail that they can't imagine being the head. If we really get down into it, and you don't dare feel bad about this, but if we really took out our financial registers and just really started looking at stuff and took, took home mortgages and student loans and some of the other things that some of us may still owe money on, the truth be told is at a certain point, you might just become so overwhelmed that you just say, well, let's just go back to paying the minimum payment, man. This is just, you know, I couldn't imagine being debt-free in a house. Right? If you know anything about real estate amortization, my God, 30-year mortgage in most cases will make, for you, make you pay for your house four times. Am I right, Shanita? She's a banker. Minimum. Four times. Amen. And yet, you got to know the balance between not buying it and getting a loan because getting a loan is not evil. If it was, he wouldn't tell us to be the lender and not the bar. God wouldn't tell somebody to do something that was evil to do. But how about instead of me getting the house with, with about 1,000 more square feet that I would need the 30-year mortgage to buy, what if I cut it down 800 square feet and got the one that is underneath my budget that I can buy with a 15-year mortgage? And while I still got to borrow the money, if I add an extra payment every year, wow, that goes down to whatever the equation is. And then I start getting promoted and raises and, and I pay for that 15-year house in about five. Somebody say, I'm master in the practical. Show of hands, how many people in here, if you did not have to pay a mortgage payment every month, you would have a hefty seed to be able to give in the kingdom of God? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have to start transitioning our thinking. We got to master that. As a people, we got to master that. In the Bible days, the people of God were walking in abundance in the book of Acts, so much so that they had extra properties that they could sell and bring the proceeds and fulfill whatever God's mission was at the time. Honestly speaking, and you don't have to raise your hand on this if this is not you, but how many people in here could see yourself putting $100,000 in an offering plate one day? Amen. Amen. Somebody might do it today. But all of that goes back to kingdom principles on how we plant, how we water, and how we wait for God to give the increase. If you're writing this down, after you've done your part, and while you are doing your part, God will increase you. After you have done your part, and while you are doing your part, God will increase you. You know this principle, Matthew 25 and 21 through 23, both the servant with five and the servant with two. These are, this is my favorite New Testament scripture. But his Lord said to him, well done. How many want to hear God say well done? Amen. Well done thy what? Good. You've been good, first of all, and faithful servant. Good, which is a matter of the heart. Amen. You've done good. 
kept the right attitude, right disposition. But then in your actions, in your deeds, you were faithful over how many things? A few things. Now, this gets good. How many, you know, if I don't get faithful over a few things, there will never be abundant to be faithful over. I can't believe God to take me off of $50,000 a year, amen, and he can't get 10 cents on the dollar at 50000 and move me up to 100000 now, I have to be faithful over a few things. I got to be a seed sower right here. My wife would tell you, amen, this was even before she ever met me, amen. The, those seasons that I remember to this day coming through, and we're going to work on this today, seasons of lack and wanting more and wishing I had and all those kinds of things where I'd let God challenge me and what I'm being faithful over. In those times, hallelujah, where I allow God to, to challenge me on my giving attitude. Amen. And where even times, I'm not even going to say it was always God, where I just made up in my mind that, God, I'm going to put your word to the test because you told me in Malachi 3 that I could prove you. And see, won't you open up the windows of heaven? And God, I'm going to do something that don't make any sense. And I'm telling you, because I've done it on multiple occasions, I'm signing the back of this check for this pay period, believing God, and the whole thing is going in the offering bucket. (laughs) Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I told you we're going in today. How many people in here really want to break in the increase? So I'm not going to give you the flowery message on how it's done. No, no, no. I'm going to show you, bottom line, how to break forth to another income bracket in God. And one of the key principles is I must do right with what I have before he will ever give me more. Luke 16 and 10 says it so good. He that is faithful in the least. He that is faithful, which is the least, will also be faithful and much. This is why you can never trust a person who won't be faithful in $30,000 a year to be faithful in $300,000 a year because the Bible says you won't be. He who is unjust in the least will also be unjust in the much. Oh, I got revelation for you. If I'm a single sister and I desire to be married, how about I need to be faithful over my body right now by living in purity when I don't have a man, which is a strong indication that when God sends my husband, I'll be able to be faithful to him through thick and thin. Said so well, how can you expect her or him, dating brother or sister, to be faithful to you when you all are not being faithful to God now? Because the truth be told, you're going to get older. <laughs> oh, boy, this is where it gets good. And how many, you know, it don't matter how much working out you do. Yeah, something's going to change. Amen. And my mom used to say, something's going to fall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to that age with something. You need somebody that when you start falling, how about they ain't falling? But the proving ground is when we're dating. How faithful to God. So it's not just money. How faithful to God can I be in the dating zone? No, you, you know, you, you want a lot of members. You want a lot of people coming to your church. Nothing wrong with that. Man, what are you doing, hallelujah, with street evangelism? What are you doing with five folk? Come on, pastors. Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing in those in-between seasons? You want increase in abundance on your job? How do you manage the call center? I hope I'm not boring you. 
Because the truth is, you can jump up seven times, spin around wildly, kick a chair over, and shout hallelujah at the end of all of that. But if you don't remain faithful to God, hallelujah, in the thick and thin, Satan is going to come and steal that word. Shouting does not move people into increase. Shouting is a byproduct of increase. We shout because we know we're going into increase. Emotions don't move us into increase. It is the consistency over time. Hallelujah. It is the being dedicated to God, come what may, that before you know it, you look up and boom, life has changed. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Somebody shout, I must be faithful right where I am. Yes, yes, that's, that's me mastering what I'm able to do. But let's cross over now in this message because up to this point, we dealt with your efforts. We dealt with what we should do, what we should not do, all those kinds of things. But please understand that man's efforts are limited. You know, we require food, sleep, vacations, all kinds of things, you know. We got to manage ourselves. You know, we're limited because we are man. You know, at the end of the day, oh, yeah, for everybody in the room, it will be time to freshen up. Are you getting this, church? Your body is not even made to be self-sustaining. You got to sustain your body. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, we went and got a haircut. Most of us brothers in, 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 in total, you know, anticipation of this great event. But how many of you know come Thursday, that hair going to be crawling right on the- and you're going to have to, you go, no, you're going to have to maintain. Come on, somebody. I wish I had a witness. Anything untamed. Because we are mere men. But God's not that way. The Bible says of him, he never sleeps nor slumber. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has all the resources. He doesn't, God doesn't lack anything. All right, we were given faith, the measure of faith. I'm going to give you revelation Jesus had the spirit without measure. Now, that's revelation right there. You and I have to build ourselves up in our most holy faith to get our new job. If Jesus ever needed and or wanted a new job, he could simply say job. Don't need to study no more Bible right now. Don't need to do anything right now. I have the spirit without measure. Now, don't misunderstand that. This is revelation for another day. Jesus said, I don't do anything except my father tell me. Amen. I don't say anything except my father tell me. So he came in the flesh and he still had to work his faith. Catch this revelation. Why would he have to go to the synagogue and learn under the others? Now, that's messing with some of y'all. Because, yes, God is all knowing, but he purposely sent Jesus in the flesh to demonstrate to you and I that we don't have a high priest who has not been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So Jesus went and learned faith just like you and I. But there is still a supernatural element that we are constantly coming into the revelation of. He had the spirit without measure. Amen. And we too can do what he does. We can say job as long as we are working our faith. We have to keep our measure up. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So to that point, we have, amen, access to the Father. We have the spirit of increase that can get on us. But in our flesh, we are inadequate. Real fast, uh, Exodus 4 and 10. Are you here, church? 
Come on, Exodus 4 and 10. We require resources. We are inadequate. Look at Moses, who was one of the most powerful men of God who ever lived, and look at him acknowledge his inadequacies. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Amen. I don't have eloquent speech is what that means, and I'm not eloquent in my presentation. Neither before nor since you have I ever spoken to your servant. But as a matter of fact, I stutter. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. I, I, I don't talk well. You know, I, I'm not I'm not that guy. God ever assigned you to do something you didn't feel like was you. <laughs> not charismatic like that. Look at verse number 11. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on. Verse number 11. So the Lord said to you, who has made man's mouth, though? Oh, Jesus. Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the sin or the blind? Have not I the Lord? What is he saying? He says, I realize you have all these inadequacy, but then he begins to ask rhetorical questions. Who's the one that gets it done anyway? Are you the one that, I mean, didn't I make your mouth? So you're telling the inventor what you're capable of or not. Whew, Jesus. Didn't I create you? This is classic, y'all. God gives the increase. I'm the one. I'm the one who set you up. You don't know one of the reasons why? Oh, my God, we've never really gotten discouraged when it comes down to, to people in today, people out tomorrow. Y'all, get this revelation. This ain't my work. This is God's work. If you were in here on Thursday night when we said, what are we going to do about the rain, the scattered showers that they were forecasting for, for the picnic? Well, we're going to stop it. Well, how are you going to stop? Well, it's God's picnic. And I don't think God wants it to rain on his picnic. So the only thing you got to do is actualize the kingdom of God by opening up your mouth and saying what God said. You know, I imagine that God sometimes sitting in the bleachers of a game looking at us. And we, you know, up against, let's use the picnic, for example, where it's about to rain and him just saying, oh, no, say something. Stop the rain. Why y'all let it rain on this picnic? Cancer? You gonna let cancer kill your mama? Go down there and kill that tumor. Power of death and life is in your tongue. I'm not killing it. You gotta open up your mouth. Lack? You don't have no money? Do you know who your father is? Loads of money. I'm a multi-trillionaire, but you will not open up your mouth and sow and do what I told you to do so I can open up the windows of heaven. No, you got to read your Bible, Psalm 115, 16. Yeah, the heavens, even the heavens, they are the Lord, but the earth, he's given to the children of men. No, certain things can't go down because we're here. No, this facility, this campus is not some Islamic synagogue that prays to the east every day because the kingdom of God said not so. I got no amens on that. Might have some Muslims here today, so let me preach a little bit about Allah. He's a fake. A phony. Oh, he doesn't save. He doesn't redeem you. But to the utmost. Jesus saves. 
I wish somebody would give Jesus great praise all in this place. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 but no, no, no. It's, it's not some Buddhist fat statue sitting out there. It's, no, no, we're not coming to do transcendental meditation. Hallelujah. But when we gather together in Jesus' name, the property belongs to him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Families that hadn't met Jesus could come to your picnic, take an SAT. Hallelujah. Run into salvation on the spot. But all of that, get back on topic, is because somebody commanded the kingdom. Not just me either. No, really, somebody commanded the kingdom and said, no, you're not doing that. No, you're not making my wife sick. No, I don't feel like that. I've told the devil that before I said, now Satan, I don't feel like all that today now. Let me just go ahead and rebuke you in the morning. We're not doing that today. Amen. Sometimes you're a little more tolerant than other times. Sometimes it just roars. I don't feel like all that. Mm -mm, Not right now. We're not doing that right now. In the name of Jesus. Now go on and get now. You're not doing all. Not not here. Not here. As for me and my house. Now you may as well pick somebody else's house because this house right here. You better get that dogmatic kingdom mentality and stop bowing down to people. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, God's, God's not. Oh, this is a good one. Esther 2 and 7. You know, Esther didn't have a solid family. Oh, that's going to bless some of you. No, 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 she didn't have it. Look at it in the Bible. Mordecai brought her up, you know, had a side. That is Esther, same person. His uncle's daughter, for she had no dad and no mom. Oh, Jesus. Now, that's an inadequacy. See, I got to stand down on this one because I happen to have two loving parents sitting here today, be honest with you, married over 50 years and raised me in the fear of the Lord. This wasn't the first time I went to church when I came to Charlotte. I've been in church all my life. Taught me the ways of God. I thank God for that. But let me tell you, humbly speaking, some of you sitting here today, truth be told, you got a sweet first lady, very similar, at least in one category, she doesn't mind me saying, amen, didn't have a dad all her life. Some of you didn't have dad all your life. Some of you didn't have mom all your life. Oh, this is where it gets good. Some of you had mom, but you still didn't have a mom based on how she conducted herself. Because your mom taught you more immorality than the guy on the street. All the uncles you met along the way. which is in many cases worse than having a dad or a mom. Your dad helped you to roll your first blunt. Showed you how to drink. Come on, somebody. How to get over on the IRS. No, in that category, you didn't have a father. Now watch me balance this. You always honor your mother and father because the Bible says to do so, so that your days might be long upon the earth. But if we look at the definition of mom and dad, many of us didn't have that. And in her case, for God's sake, her parents died. The B clause of the scripture shows you that. Mom and dad died. But aren't you glad he'll be a father to the fathers? Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Aren't you glad that he'll get in the gaps of your life? The spaces, amen. Stay with me, church. The spaces where you think you lack, you don't have enough, you don't have the pedigree, you don't have this, you don't have that. My God, little still becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. It wasn't the two fish and five loaves that started multiplying. It was the hands that they were in that put the power on them to multiply. And I stopped by to tell you, whatever you put in his hands, glory to God, somebody shout because it's multiplying right now. Doesn't matter what I didn't have, what I don't have. So we just met two people that was inadequate. I can show you so many others that were inadequate. We don't have time to go through all that. So what do I do, Pastor, if I'm inadequate? Come over to Proverbs chapter 10. Let's get this back on finances. Chapter Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. No, you can sit in the same boardroom with, with the people who, who had parents that could write a check to Harvard. And you went to the state school. Come on, somebody. You sit in that same boardroom confidently and with dignity. Hallelujah. Knowing who you are. Because if you didn't have an earthly father or earthly mom or if they were a half a dad or a half a mom, thank God you got a heavenly father. Hallelujah. That knew how to set you up. So what do I do if I have inadequacies, if I have things that are deficit? Write this in your notes. The blessing makes up for my shortcomings. The blessings make up for my shortcomings. And not the blessings, plural. Really important how you write that. It's the blessing, singular. Revelation God gave me. Makes up for my shortfalls. Proverbs 20, 22, the what of the Lord? Blessings. Not the blessings. The blessings are houses and properties and, and jobs and, and big money. That's blessings. You know, that, the wonderful suits and ties that you got at home. That's great. The pocketbook. Those are, all, those are all symptomatic of being blessed. Those are blessings. But the blessing, the blessing, if you're writing, is an endowment from the Lord to get things done beyond your ability. Yes, an endowment from the Lord to get things done beyond your ability. I am not the first person that ever taught on the blessing. You've been at this church any amount of time. You've heard me teach on the blessing. Uh, so many others before me, my God, Oral Roberts, on and on and on, taught on the blessing. Fred Price, thank God for those mighty men of God. But the bottom line is the blessing is a special endowment on your life to get things done beyond your ability. Things you can't put together. Things you and I, is anybody being blessed today? Things you and I don't even have power over. The blessing opens the door. The blessing gets involved. The blessing will bring people to your business. I'll give you a couple of examples of businesses that have the blessing on them. You ever go to Chick-fil-A at any time during the day? You know the company that wouldn't bow down to the homosexuals? I thought I'd throw that in for free. When they got mad at Truett Cathy, their business went up. You ever gone there any time during the day and seen the line wrapped around, even with people with iPads out taking orders, wrapped around about twice the building? And they still getting people out fast, not making you park your car. You know why? They had a blessing. I get so irritated. Can you pull up? No! Can you? This is fast food. Why I got to pull up? Then y'all forget that you pulled me up. I'm not going to say the names of other restaurants. So you've been through that. 
Amen. And everybody in the window is sweet and nice. I don't know what their employee development program is, but when I find out, I'm going to it. In fact, I'm going to send my whole church. And don't take that the wrong way because you all are nice. You're nice. But that's what the blessing looks like. Blessings on you. It makes rich. True, Kathy's in heaven. Man, his kids, his family. I never got to do anything else. Just run where he left. The blessing of the Lord make you. You want, you, want, you want another example of what the blessing looks like? Go on over there to Kingdom Christian Church. Over there on the west side of town. The poorest side of Charlotte. The most blighted communities in the city. Go on over there on any given Sunday. And uh, look at all the people that will be standing up with new jobs, new houses, new favor, and beyond. And, and you re you're ready for the hook to that story? That's not prophetic. No, that ain't what we're going to be. No, that happens all the time. Somebody shout, I get healed all the time. Somebody say, I get money all the time. Woo, Jesus. Well, you, 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 in, you, you, are, you are in the commonwealth of the kingdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. You ain't around the right people. Some stuff will just rub off on you. How about when I go out with my buddies, my, my well-made, success, successful buddies, I don't got to worry about where we're going to eat that afternoon. Oh, I know. I, I mean, I've seen it. I go visit my friends in other cities, and they know when they come here, we go into the finest restaurant in the city. That's the commonwealth. And when we get to the end, nobody's going to say, you got this one, dog? <laughs> or get up and go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, we don't have to. Amen. Hallelujah. Because of what of the Lord? The blessing of the Lord. So what, what, what is the increase that God gives then? The increase is the blessing. No, don't make it complicated. See, that's what, you know, we, we don't need to make the, the simple complex. Let's make the complex simple. You ever want to move into a time of increase for the rest of your life, just know that all you got to do is get the blessing. I love my wife because you know, I know I've rubbed off on her now, speaking of faith, but she was listening to a song coming in, and the young lady didn't mean no harm, but she said, I'm not going to say her name, she said, prophesy to your neighbor and tell him the next seven years are going to be years of flourishing. And then my wife said out loud, well, what happens after the next seven years? <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. Now, the blessing is on you for life. Psalm 115, he increases us more and more and more and more and more and more. And if there were another step, I'd go higher. We go up. This is the eighth anniversary. What do you think we're going to look like on the 16th? <laughs> Are you getting this? I'll tell you what we're going to do. Stay with God. Stay humble. Don't get in vain glory. Don't get in immorality. Come on. Right. Love the Lord. Don't start being hyper grace driven. Right. Messing up just because you think you can. Right. 
No, we're going to stay with God. We're going to remain in obedience. And then the path of the justice as a shining light that grows brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Your life gets better, but it's because the anointing for increases on you. The blessings of the Lord makes you rich and addeth no sorrow. Yes, rich in emotions. That's a richness. That's a part of the blessing. Somebody say not just money. Amen. But rich in emotion. You can be happy. You can be vibrant. Glory to God. You can have joy. You can have so much joy. Be like your pastor. Be so happy that people think you're faking. People ask my wife all the time, is he this way all the time? And she answers them all the time. I'm happy at home. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to be happy when I get in the car. Nothing's messing me up. Come on, Nehemiah. We have the joy of the Lord. And if it's the joy of the Lord, whenever you ever seen the Lord sad, struggling, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. It's the blessing on our emotions. So we flourish. And it's not predicated on the things we have either. We were flourishing before we got things because we got the blessing. Somebody say joy, but not just joy, the blessing also, i.e., the blessing on you to obtain wealth. Deuteronomy 8, don't have time to go to all of it. The blessing upon you makes you rich in finances. And he added no sorrow to it. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? He has no sorrow to it because you can read that. And if you don't dig into it, you'll miss it. It means he has no toil. No hard earnings. You see, I said it already. When you got to leave one job, go to six more. And your body's bent over and you got back pain and you got everything and you're so tired. Uh, sleep deprivation and you're falling asleep at red lights. Watch this. You can't spend no time with your babies. That's not the blessing. It, life is so taxing. And I gave the exception for working two jobs. I get it. But I'm telling you, you get the blessing, you will start working to make a given instead of working to make a living. I don't live off my salary anymore. Hallelujah. I live off my harvest. Oh, you get that in a minute. If you're going to start living off your harvest, you got to get over religious people that have a problem with you being blessed. Because the truth be told, like some of us getting ready to do before we leave here today, he who sows bountifully, don't leave the promise out, will also reap bountifully. Somebody say, that's a promise. So now when you come into reaping season, don't you start putting your head down talking about, well, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. No, come on out. I'm blessed. I'm flourishing. I'm vibrant. I'm doing well. Life is great. Woo, Jesus. Leather interior. Amen. I like that feeling when my mother-in-law gets in the back and says, Gabe, can you turn the heat off of this seat? I had it on in the summertime, burning her up. Hallelujah. That's the blessing. Woo, Jesus. I said that's the blessing. 
Man, it just dropped on me. Somebody give God praise for where you're going. That's the blessing. Stop tucking your head out. Just don't. I ain't nothing in this thing. Yes, you are somebody. You're somebody who sowed and in due season. You began to reap. And he opened up the windows of heaven and poured you out. Bless you. Oh, Jesus, that you don't have room enough to receive. Hallelujah. Keep pouring your pools. Did you get that? And then go swimming in it. If somebody call you, well, what, what y'all doing? Don't start making up stuff. Well, we was just having a moment. No, we enjoying that pool. <laughs> you got to keep your head down to freestyle. I'm finally swimming, y'all. I used to keep, I can swim now. Yeah. Yeah, I got my swim instructor real scared one day. <laughs> She's a sweet lady. Kind of small, though. I probably should have had somebody with a little more beef because uh, I told her to. I said, uh, Lynn, Lynn, I hope you're walking, watching. My wife goes with me to swim lessons, too. Our kids are in. But I said, Lynn, this is when I first started going to swim lessons. I can swim now. But I said, Lynn, I'm going to a neighbor's house this weekend. They got a 20-foot pool. I said, Lynn, I'm jumping in by faith. <laughs> Sweet lady, you know. Caucasian sister, and uh, just real fine, you know, finely meticulous in her speech. And she, she looked at me, and she just got such the fear in her eyes. She said, we probably should wait a while? <laughs> she didn't know me. She said, we probably should wait. I mean, I, you're doing great. But let's <laughs> I did that on purpose. I like to scare people. I enjoyed that. And I didn't tell her I was joking until way later. <laughs> until I was joking, I told her, I'm jumping in. You remember that there? I said, I'm jumping in. Like, no, I'm, I'm so excited. I said, I've been doing so good in my lessons. And I got a friend that's got a 20-foot pool this weekend. I'm trying it. I'm jumping in. <laughs> Keep pouring your pool. So how do you move to increase abundance and overflow? Is anybody enjoying this? Because again, money's not evil and we're not going to be afraid of it. You know, I've been to a few Super Bowls and I ain't never seen any of them folk skimp on anything. When I tell you they put the dollars into it, oh my God. Good. I mean, just food, food, food. Oh, you name it. And man, no hit on the NFL. But nobody in Babylon ought to be doing it any better than the church. Nobody. Nobody. No, we, we, ought to, we ought to have picnics to where you can roll up and eat as much as you want or however much you want and then go back and eat it again. Eat crab cakes and pizza in the same day. Come on, somebody. Because you want to. Then go home and eat some cheeses on top of that. That's just for free. Amen. But how are you going to walk in abundance? Enjoy your life. That's all I'm trying to say. How are you going to walk in abundance? And we're going to enjoy giving a day in a minute. Amen. Here's the principle. <clears throat> Financial increase comes from three points. Three quick points. And um, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, because I know my sweet members like to write down points. So I'm going to give you three quick points on financial increase. And we're going to get them out real fast. Number one, sowing. Financial increase comes from sowing. Amen. 
Number two, if you're writing, sewing. <laughs> you're going to increase financially, you're going to have to sew. Number three, sewing. If you want, you want to get some financial increase, it don't come from shout. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Shouting don't bring no finer scripture. Don't come from shouting. You can't find a Bible verse to back that up because it does not come from shouting. The spoils came from shouting. That's a different lesson. But financial increase comes from sowing. But now all jokes aside, sowing what? Here's your point of the day. Significant seed. Not just any kind of seed. Oh, I'm going to liberate some folk on this today, and I'm teaching it, come what may. Not just any kind of seed. I want you to go with me to Luke 21, 1 through 4, and let's clear something up. Not just any kind of seed. Are you being blessed? Hallelujah. <clears throat> I'm going I'm to sow significantly today. The people who are tapped in with me, you're sowing significantly. Let's, let's go to Luke 21. Come on. Luke 21. I got 14 minutes. 1 through 4. And this is Jesus. He looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. Capital Campaign Sunday. The rich were sowing. They probably were giving like we're going to give. Three, four, five, ten thousand. Who knows? Twenty thousand dollars. They putting their money in the treasury. What's the key caveat to this verse? They were rich. They were rich. They were rich. Hallelujah. And verse two. Then he also saw a poor widow. What's the key caveat to this passage? She was poor. <laughs> now, you're not going to hear this taught in that religious church where the pastor doesn't want to offend anybody. This is kingdom teaching now. I'm showing you how to really come into abundance. Because a whole lot of folk would say, oh, who could ever ask that person to do something? You missed the kingdom principle. Because if they don't ever do something, they won't ever come out of that category. I'm going to show it to you in scripture. She was a what money, woman? A poor woman. She didn't put in as much as the rich. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice because she wasn't rich. So she couldn't put in three, four, five, six thousand dollars because after all, you can't get blood out of a turnip. She was poor. But I tell you what she did. She had two mites. She put in those two mites. Please go to verse number three. Is anybody being blessed? So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor woman put in more than you rich people. She put in more than all. Why, Jesus? Verse number four. Come on. Hallelujah. For all these out of their abundance, they were millionaires and gave 10,000. Billionaires and gave 10,000. Hallelujah. Out of their abundance, they put in offerings for God, but she, out of her poverty, put in her life savings. All she had. Now, this is kingdom right here. <laughs> Go with me to 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. Whew. What you think happened to that woman that put in all she had? Come on. 2 Corinthians, here's the biblical principle. My God. Then I'm going to give you three other points. They won't just be real points. I already gave you three real points. But look at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, verse number 12. Come on, why are you going there? Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm preaching this thing with boldness today. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 
8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches at Macedonia. What did the woman give out of her poverty? All right, well, look at Paul talk to the church because he's talking about how Macedonia did so well. Corinth was a stingy church. They weren't like KCC. We, we're not a stingy church. We're the church of Philippi. Amen. But Corinth was a stingy church. Look at this, though. Verse number two, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy in their what church? Anybody here ever been in deep poverty? No, these folk were struggling. Deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. That's why when we get ready to raise an offering, we say, Lord, please release the spirit of liberality. The riches of their liberality, despite being in poverty. Come on, stay with me now. This is Revelation. Verse number three. For I bear witness that according to their ability, but also beyond their ability, they were freely willing. <laughs> now, pastors don't start preaching this word. We're going to keep having folk that's paycheck to paycheck because you will not break the cycle until you get out of you. Till you get out of your ability, till you get out of where you are. Hallelujah. Get out of your disposition. Well, I thought I had this money for this. No, no, no. I'm not getting ready to eat my seed. Amen. According to my ability, but beyond my ability, I'm going to be freely willing. Well, let's go further. Verse number four. Come on. Time is fleet. Hallelujah. Imploring us <clears throat> with much urgency. They were begging us to receive their money. That we would receive the gift in the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hope, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. So urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace. Everybody say the grace of giving this grace in you as well. Look at verse number seven. But as you abound in everything, church, just like you learn faith. Hallelujah. Just like speech. Get good knowledge. Be a good apologist. Be able to defend the cause of the ministry and the church and all diligence and in your love for us see that you abound in this grace also what grace the grace of giving abound in everything else but see that you abound in this grace also what grace church the grace of giving jump down to verse number 12 man we enjoying this thing for if there is first a willing mind, it's accepted according to what one has and not according to what he doesn't have. Somebody say it's all about the heart. Some people in here today are going to be able to give thousands of dollars. Oh, they're going to get a great harvest. That's because that's what they have. Somebody here today is going to give $100. You know what? They're going to get a great harvest. You know why? That's what they had. And it all came back to the willingness. The willingness of the mind. Because of a willing spirit, it's accepted. Do you know your offering has to be accepted by God? People in Malachi 1 and Malachi 3, their offerings were not accepted. Ananias and Sapphira's offering was not accepted. Cain's offering was not 
accept it. I wonder how many people today are going to give an acceptable offer. And let me tell you this revelation of significant seed. Man, this is revelatory now. So if I don't get to many more scriptures, I sense the anointing. I'm camping out here for a second. Get this revelation of significant seed. When you are believing God for your new job, your new house, your new increase, promotion, elevation, all these things we preach about, and I've been setting you up for this for months now in preaching on faith, but when you believe in God to do that big stuff in your life, don't take this as a rebuke because it's not one, but this is pastoral teaching. You cannot be gainfully employed making $70,000 a year put $20 in an envelope and put a new car, new house on the back of that envelope, believing that you receive your new job. Because that is not significant seed. And every seed produces after its own kind. What was it that made Sister Bigger's single mom finally get to a place where she's fully approved to build her new house that she's closing on in a few weeks. What really got her there? It was the Sunday when she openly released a significant seed. Changed the rest of her trajectory. And we need to teach this to people. Now, if I have $40 and I give $20, in the name of my new job. Somebody say it's not the amount. It's the willingness, it's the sacrifice, it's the widow with the two mites. God's gonna meet me in that $20 and open up that window for that new job because to me, $20 is a significant seed. Man, this is good teaching today. I said $20 is a significant seed. And you guys know me, I, I'm the guy that stands up before every offering and tells you we don't want your mortgage money, we don't want your power bill money. You know me, I'm integrity one-on-one, hallelujah. We don't move people into the poorhouse, I don't teach it, I don't preach it, but I tell you what, if God is pushing somebody to move in a place to where you thought you had something saved for something else, and God is telling you today is your moment to break the glass ceiling of poverty on your life, you better be like that widow who just had a little meal left But gave it to the man of God first. Everybody say significant seed. I hope I'm not boring you today. What are then the promises of giving finances? Real quick. The promises of giving finances. Real quick. Number, number one, open heavens. I open to you the windows of heaven. Malachi 3 and 10. Read it on your own free time. Open heavens. What, are, what is an open heaven? Open heaven is favor. That's what open heaven is. Open heaven is just like open doors in your life. Open heaven is everything you try works. My God, everything, Joseph, you put your hand to, it was successful. That's an open heaven. I boast only in the Lord. But what we saw yesterday, what we're seeing today, what we're getting ready to see this afternoon, hallelujah, all that's because of an open heaven, a grace that's on this church, hallelujah, grace that's on this ministry. Amen. Open heaven, the blessing of God and the favor of God is what the open heavens are. We don't have a lot of time for this. Number two, what are the promises of giving finances? Multiplication and increase specifically of your money. Multiplication and increase of your money. We will teach on the kingdom very soon. But our Bible says the kingdom is as a man who scattereth seed. The kingdom of God is as a man who scattereth seed. If you scatter time, if you give time, what are you going to get back? Time. 
If you give love, what are you going to reap? If you be faithful to somebody later on in your life when you're trying to start the company, what are you going to reap? An employee that's faithful. That's how the kingdom works. We'll get there. But when you give money, Genesis 1, everything produces after its own kind. You give money, you are going to have multiplication of the seed sown. Hallelujah. Multiplication of the seed sown. And then I love number three. Before I give it to you, anybody in here, you ever came into some money, maybe your taxes came back or something, and it seemed like the devil, soon as you got that automatic transfer into your bank account, hallelujah, the enemy had something to consume it, waiting on you. You had to put it in something you didn't plan for. They, you found out that the roof is leaking, or you found out something that just totally, oh my God, well, I'm going to give you a promise to where this time when your harvest comes back, you can keep it. What is the third promise of giving money God's way? Especially tithe and offering, protection over your harvest. Go to Malachi 3 and 11. Please put it up there, y'all, in the New Living Translation. Protection over your harvest. When you give money God's way, he protects your harvest. Hallelujah. You done sold, amen, today in faith. Glory to God. And you, you gave the Lord that, that great seed. And the Lord hypothetically came and gave you $20,000 in a windfall of blessing. Amen. Well, he's going to make sure that there's not a $20,000 bill there to take it. That's wealth and riches when you're adding to what you have. Amen. Look at this thing. This is a promise of tithes and offerings. Malachi 3 and 11. Your crops, number one, will be abundant. Somebody clap for that. Hallelujah. Large crops. For I will guard them, here's the promise, from insects and disease. That's so good. Can't take my harvest. Mm-mm. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. No miscarriages of your harvest. True, Jesus. Your garden's going to grow up. It's not going to get scorched. You know, I've heard my dad say, well, you know, this year the, the string beans went kind of slow. They weren't as thick as they usually are. Well, one of the promises of finances, you start giving like this. Nope, your grapes, they're going to fully mature. Saith the Lord of hosts. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm keeping teaching kingdom principles today. And if anything, I really am an apostle of finances. I hope you'll get this. No, you're, you're, you're going to have an abundant harvest. It works, Cassie. Abundant harvest. Hallelujah. But insects and diseases won't be. What are insects and diseases? All of a sudden, you need a new transmission. The devil is a liar. That's right. And you came into your harvest. Come on. Massive repair. The foundation has to be repaired of the, all kinds of mess. No, when God blesses you, you're going to be able to keep what he's given you. And then you'll be able to eat some, save some, and sow some. Hallelujah. I'm closing this message out now, and we're getting ready to give. But let's look at the Bible on how giving is done. And let's get ready to enjoy. Clear, we're going to enjoy ours. How many people are going to enjoy this? Mm, 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 mm. <clears throat> We've already communed with God today, but I'm going to show you how giving is done. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 29, 2 through 9. This is my last scripture of the day. 
unless the Lord says something else. <clears throat> I think I'm New American Standard Version. I don't know. But um, you guys keep that one up there. Read that and listen to me at the same time. But I, I like this one that I'm going to read it from. First Chronicles 29, 2 through 9. How is it done? Now, before I read this scripture, let me give you some secular examples of how the world gets this principle while the church refuses to embrace it. Since the days of Jerry Lewis to now, telephones and phonophones and every other phone, United Way, Negro College Fund, whatever else, the world has understood that giving is contagious. So they will get on television, public networks, and say, we are almost at our goal. Nothing wrong with it. Not a thing. <laughs> oh, we just got a phone call. Somebody just gave $5,000. Then the people in the phone room start clapping. <laughs> you don't think they coach those people to do it? No, they start clapping. And then they go, on. oh, we just got another call. And you know what? We are standing between now and 1 o'clock believing, practicing faith, <laughs> believing that within the next seven minutes, we will get seven people with $7,000 to call in and meet our annual budget. The world gets that, but let me tell you what the church did because we let the world scare us and, ready for this, some men messed it up because they didn't have any integrity. They take the giving and go buy a Mercedes with it right. instead of build the kingdom building right. just as a side. All right, So that's one of the reasons why the church got so scrutinized. But if you balance that point, there are more of us doing right than those doing wrong. And for the record, Bernie made off. There are a whole bunch of people in the world doing wrong, but the world still does what they do. So the church ought to go back to scripture and not be ashamed or afraid just because certain folk hadn't been delivered from the demon of stingy to raise God a mighty offering. I'm surveying my audience now. I can about tell who has it. No. We're going to enjoy this thing. No, no, no. You don't, you don't let the world go, oh, my God. They don't, oh, they don't need a bank to do that, you know. They get ready to, to raise up another coffee shop. I'm not saying any company's names. But they raise up another coffee shop and make all kinds of racial slurs. Well, they, you know, they don't got to go to no bank to build that coffee shop. <laughs> not at all. God's church has to be delivered. And we are delivered. Because I'm delivered. And I want you to see this thing in scripture. This is how giving is done biblically. Now when you are helping somebody, that's almsgiving. That is not done loudly. That's an exception. Almsgiving is done in secret. And what you do in secret, God rewards openly. But when you are building buildings or acquiring property and land, that is not secret That's given. Right. Not according to scripture. Look at 1 Chronicles 29. And I'll let you go home. Well, no, we're going to give in a second, then we'll go home. 1 Chronicles 29, 2-1. Now, listen to Brother David. He's raising money for the temple, for his son. 
Now, with all of my ability, I provided for the house of my God. Now, what did David start doing? He started naming what he's given. He said, I'm giving gold for the things of gold. He said, I'm going to give a little silver in this offering for the things of silver. And then he's going to tell you more about his giving in a second. Bronze for the things of bronze. Iron for the things of iron. Wood for the things of wood. Onyx stones. David was rich. And inlaid stones. Stones of antonomy and stones of various colors. Oh, that was a pretty temple. Solomon's temple. And all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. David, keep talking to us about what you're giving, brother. Moreover, because I'm glad. And my delight in the house of my God. You guys got it. Boy, y'all bad back there. I'll, I'll read it up there now. Moreover, in my delight for the house of God, I think I'm going somewhere around verse number nine. The treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God. David's getting excited. He's getting stirred up. And listen to what he says. Over and above the first offering. Now, that was a light bill. I already brought my tie. That was great. But I give, I'm giving over and above all that that I've already provided for the holy temple. Woo, Jesus. I love it. You know, the first lady and I brought our tithes and offering. I think today it was something like $1,700 or something. That was exciting. But, man, it's close to two grand this morning, something like that. It's not going to shake a stick at this second offering. That's tied. I got delivered when Fred Price got on television and he said, I want you to know that today my tithe and offering was $15,000. And you know Fred Price, he get right strong with you. He said, if I had a church full of people that would obey God and, and you know, get abundance and be able to, all oh, the things we could do. I've always loved Apostle Price. He just don't apologize. He's been preaching for years. Don't bother. 15,000. Some of y'all doing the math right now. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. That means like 150,000. Woohoo. Somebody made some money that way. I'm excited. I'm, I'm licking the inside of my mouth. This is exciting. Hallelujah. The treasure I have, gold and silver, I give to the house of my God. Over and above all that I've already provided for the Holy Temple. Let's go to verse number four. Hallelujah. Namely, then he names it. How much are you giving, David? 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, 7,000 talents of refined silver. Everybody say the good stuff. To overlay the walls of the buildings. What else are you doing, David? Verse number five, hallelujah. Of gold for the things of gold, of silver for the things of silver. That is, for all the work done by the craftsmen, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So I'm telling you what I'm doing, but who in here is going to participate? And I'm giving you the specific amount. Is what he did. Then he turned to his leaders. Hallelujah. Look at verse number six. The rulers of the father's household and the princes of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of the thousands and hundreds with the overseers of the king's work. They, what did they do? Offered willingly. Somebody say, it's how you give it. 
Verse number seven, please. I'm almost done. And for the service of the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents. Do we see amounts up there? And 10,000 derricks of gold. And 10,000 talents of silver. And 18,000 talents of brass. And 100,000 talents of iron. Boy, I believe that number 100,000 is right prophetic. Hallelujah. The leaders start saying, oh, I'm giving, yeah. I got five. I'm going to give two today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse number eight. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord thy God. And care of Jehel and the Gershonite. One more verse. I think I'm done. Then the people, what did they do after giving? They started shouting. They started shouting because they gave with the right heart. And they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also shouted. Now, I got a secret for you. It's not written in this verse, but I know something about human behavior. And I'm going to tell you that that wasn't the only reason why them folk was shouting. I'm going to tell you something, honey. Now, it's, it's just, you just got to know the Bible to understand what I'm about to tell you. They shouted because they had the right heart. That's true. The Bible is right. How I many know I'm not adding to Scripture? But if you read the word and you know scripture in its totality, they shouted because they also knew something was going to happen. <laughs> no, I just planted in good ground. See, some of you today, when you release your seed, if you'll remain patient and wait on the Lord, as soon as you release it, you ought to walk back to your seat seeing yourself in that C-suite of that company that you've been believing to get a job at. Man, my life is changing. Woo, they getting ready to call me. Hallelujah. And it's coming. No, they knew. Something was happening. Man, when I give my seat today, something. What you talking about? Y'all put the picture up there. It's one-on-one. It's time to give. But will you put the picture of my sunflower garden, please? This is good stuff. Me and Gabe planted us a garden. If you guys got it, Tony. Um, you read Mark chapter 4 in your own free time. I'm out of Revelation today. But um, the Bible says, first the blade. First the blade. Yeah. I planted this about 10 days ago. Hallelujah. Woo, Jesus. And uh, I went out there yesterday because I got a wooded backyard and I was having my prayer time with God. Holy Spirit said, go look at your garden. And I walked over there to my garden, and I said, glory to God. Woo, Jesus. I started seeing symptoms of what's coming my way. And these are mammoth-sized sunflower plants. They're not going to stay at blade size. I'm going to keep watering them. Glory to God. I'm going to stay in patience. And how many of you know real soon the blade is going to come up? And give me some seeds I can eat. But you can't be discouraged during the blade. Watch me raise this offering the right way. You sow your harvest today, do what Mark 4 says do. Be like that farmer that goes to sleep and don't worry about it. Don't go back and look at the garden the next day. Lord, ain't nothing growing. I thought I did it in faith. They didn't even, the people ain't called me. It's Monday at 4.30. How come they... I thought they were going to call. I saw yesterday in faith. Just 
leave the seed in the ground. And don't do what a lot of people do. Sow your seed and leave God in between. And leave your harvest for somebody else to come harvest. That's biblical too. I've seen so many people give up on their inheritance. I don't know how close they were to the blessing. But they were close. Got discouraged. Mark 4 says because of spirit of offense. How many know there was a lot of mess on the ship with Noah but nobody got off? You better stay in that ark of safety. With all the animals. You better stay with God. Don't give up on your harvest and expect God to give you an abundance. Well, we've already given our tithe and offering. We are going to do it the Bible way today. No apologies. We're going to celebrate. Um, we're going to have a good time tomorrow. All right. We're going to sow some money now to the glory of God. Here's how we are going to do it.